This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apinov. Hello, hello, I'm Andrew and you are listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. We're back after a two-week hiatus, if you haven't noticed, and we've got a great guest on this episode. His name is Andras Padrogi, and actually I met him for the first time at the men's music conference in Ljubljana, Slovenia, early this year, and he was on the same panel with Simon Wille from the Beggars Group, Adele's label. It was a great conversation and we agreed to, uh, to do a call together with Andras, um, and honestly, I could do a very detailed introduction to this show, but I'll I, I have to keep it short because it's a bit difficult to talk uh, for me right now. I uh, got calls apparently in Oslo last weekend. Fortunately, we recorded this very interview around two weeks back. So um, yeah, I'm really glad about that part. Even shorts, if you're interested in growing your YouTube channel the way the YouTube stars do, you just have to listen to this conversation. Uh, and also be sure to check out the show notes for some additional resources. And as usual, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud if you haven't yet for more good stuff uh, from us. And thank you. Here we go. Thank you a lot for being on the show. It's really cool to to speak to you again. And um, so, Andras, do you mind uh, a little bit of a background on yourself and what you've been doing in the past, I don't know, decade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, thank you for the invitation, Andrew. I'm really kind of fan of your work for back in years now, and I'm really, really honored to be here with you now. I'm, my background is in digital music or in the music industry, but I find myself lucky enough to start with the digital music era in a position of EMI Hungary. Since then, the EMI does not exist anymore, but uh, I started at a local EMI as a new media or new business manager or how they call, I don't know. So I met with digital music from a really early, early age and this whole new business models. And uh, from that, I switched to content licensing and digital music distribution. I built up an aggregator here with a few of my colleagues. And then after I decided to also to educate the market, because I found myself in a situation that is really difficult to build any kind of business on a market where the actors are really unaware about their possibilities, their rights, about the whole business background and technological background. So I built up an own digital music course covering a lot of subjects and themes related to this uh, era, technology, music, distribution, licensing, social media marketing, YouTube, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And a few years back, however, with that company, we became the first local premium music partner of YouTube. So I learned their system, the content ID and the, their content management system and how it works, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, later on, Google Hungary asked me to help them to participate and to pro- process and progress their project called Google Ground. And that's an educational center in the middle of the city it's a Google, really real Google space. It's not like the 
creator space like in, in London, New York, and LA or something. It's more focusing on, on workshops and uh, trainings uh, related to any kind of Google products. Myself, I'm mainly responsible for the YouTube-related topics and also for the local YouTube uh, YouTuber community and the multi-channel network partners and helping them and helping also brands, creative agencies, media agencies to find a platform optimal and use the platform optimal in order to represent themselves via advertising, via content, etc., etc. So I'm, I did a lot of things. Probably I never, within the music industry, probably I never did live music. I never booked a show or I never played in, I never uh, had any experience with live music. Well, just, just as a yeah. musician, I've been on stage, but <laughs> that's all. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, it's such a common theme for people working in the industry. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty common of trying to do something in the music, but then ending up working on the business side. So, so you just mentioned the community of YouTube is local. I'm interested. So what kind of uh, YouTube users, power users, I imagine, someone who really tried to build the audience there, do you communicate with? So I imagine it's not just musicians or other musicians at all. Of course, some music content is huge everywhere on YouTube, here locally as well. And as I've seen in the Central and Eastern Europe, it's a really big chunk of the content related to music, especially for hip-hop music. I've seen lots of, we call this gypsy pop, <laughs> for example. That's interesting, actually, for the first time. In the box, and I've seen a lot of these huge channels with plenty of subscribers playing this local popular music like in German the Schlager but we have this kind of Balkan taste with gypsy taste with this upbeat kind of dancing dancey songs etc etc those are huge so yeah music content is huge but what I meant on regarding YouTubers those are the content creators original content creators that appeared years ago or half a decade ago uh, in the United States as well. And Google opened to them their partner programs and uh, enabled them to monetize their channel. That's how many of them now earning millions of dollars a year like PewDiePie and in many different categories like beauty, gamers, vloggers, etc., etc. So, of course, local young people who were just born surrounded by technology and, and tools and softwares behind their parents' back. They started to create content as well. So we also have probably now the third generations of YouTubers coming up. And the first generations, the major main YouTubers already, I mean, locally living on their channel and video creation And back then, when, when the Google Grant started, it was really in the underground. No one really knew about them, probably not, not even their parents. So it was just like an underground movement. And they started to probably build their own meetings in physical face, uh, places where these really young video creators, I mean, teenagers, probably most of them like younger than 18 years old, Uh, started to form a community. And of course, the local Google and YouTube had also the goal to show this a new generation of content creators and 
let me say, influencers and trendsetters toward their viewers, the really young generation of consumers. Oh my mm-hmm. God, so this sounds really, <laughs> really in terms. <laughs> just can't, can't speak in terms. Viewers. So, let's yeah, see. yeah, the viewers. So there is a new generation that brands and uh, services can't really reach uh, via television and via traditional way of media. And uh, there is a new generation uh, wants to watch videos whenever they want on whatever tool they have in their hands. And they want the control to watch content. And YouTube is a great platform to do this, you know. And of course, these to these create, creators and young and new generations of really multi-skilled, totally business-aware creators they just started to build up their own community, subscriber base, generating more and more watch time with their own videos. They started to build up their own programming sessions, et cetera, et cetera. And my task was in a bit to, with few of my colleagues, to somehow put this phenomenon onto a surface, to start to push this into a direction of uh, mainstream awareness, you know, like, hey, guys, hey, brands, hey, services, hey, people, here is a new generation. And they are creative in a different way with audiovisual content. Uh, Here uh, here are new formats of audiovisual content. And here are a new way of uh, content consumption by their viewers. Mm -hmm. So you have to check this out and you have to be aware about because this is how the next generation will will relate to content, uh, will relate to content consumption. So it was really, 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 really important to show this generation and to show this uh, subculture. <laughs> yeah, indeed. No, yeah, absolutely. And so basically we are living in this interesting world where just people who have uh, YouTube installed as an app on their phone or just uh, watch videos uh, on their laptops and computers, um, they are excited and they talk about these people, these video bloggers, either like beauty or people commenting games or just talking about some funny videos, commenting on funny videos or anything like that. And people are really into these, uh, the kind of the rock stars. And when a musician puts out uh, a music video or something, then maybe people who will watch it, they'll like, oh, okay, like a music video, whatever. And people are excited about the video bloggers much more than musicians. At least it appears like that. But I just uh, cannot believe there is no way musicians can approach YouTube in a similar way and look into what these uh, very successful financially, including just as you mentioned, uh, video bloggers do this and how they build the community and how they keep people engaged. So... What's your, your input on that? And what's maybe even like some practical tips that you could give to musicians from your experience working with these bloggers? Anyone can learn from these new generations of content creators and video creators. Let's call them creative video creators that, you know, they grown up organically. So they, they were sitting there, they had the tools and they had creative ideas and they started themselves and they put lots of energy and time into it. And they, they were thinking about how this can be sustainable. And because it's not, not just a, a day to another when you can earn money on it. You, know, you have to spend years probably to build up a channel and build up a loyal subscriber base. 
So probably sustainability is something that you have to really focus on and also some to somehow to keep yourself inspired to do as much content as you can. From the music perspective and from musicians, music, it's a little bit different because the monetization gives more space to music content and musicians because of the user-generated content. Probably we can speak about it a little bit later, but music content can be monetized uh, on a different ways, could generate more money, could generate a really nice money these days. But musicians has to somehow think about content and video content as a product, you know? This is a new product that generates income to them. It's a new source of income. And if they understand from the creative video creator side that you have to create content in order to earn money, because that's the way, and you have to do sustainable and you have to build up subscriber base who are loyal and watch your videos as, as much time as they like, and you should persuade them to, to watch more because watch time is golden. First of all, you have to think from the musician perspective how you can create as much content as you can, not just an official video. A little bit, they have to think out of the box in a way regarding videos. Because previously in the MTV era, in the music television era in the 80s, I mean, like, yeah, they put a lot of production money in, in order to do once for a single that was like happened on the Mars or whatever, you know, what, what kind of creative ideas they put in, into it. Now you have to put your creativity in order to make as much content as you can, but you're staying also in a creative, but you probably, let me say, put the same single on different versions and we can see a lot of great ideas, lyric videos, uh, uh, live versions, acoustic versions, tutorials teach your song how to play on guitar or drum on keyboards or just to speak about the song how you wrote it uh, there are these commentary albums now i've seen one by hosier that's track by track commentary i don't know if you've seen that so it's lots of different kind of categories and content categories that you can that you can make and it shouldn't be i mean like really expensive because you have the tools you have so small cameras everywhere around you and uh, you have you know, on every pc you have an editing software i mean there are plenty of ways to generate content just related to one single and probably you should focus on if you're a musician i would focus on that more probably there are few local musicians who realize this and they also started it and they reached success they could grow with their subscriber basis. They could do a lot of inspirational videos or uh, background behind the scene video, also lots of educational videos to, to educate your, your audience regarding your music background, your own style, your own point of view, etc., etc. Yeah. So it's very interesting here. And I'm, I just remembered of uh, this huge thing that <laughs> quite a few musicians that we've been have been bringing up when we talk about uh, generating this type of content. So some artists start some interesting series with commentary on music production or something really cool, something that can turn into a cool series which fans will enjoy and engage with. But the problem is that they don't have the audience just yet. So there are basically no people who will appreciate the content. And it's a very 
kind of obvious situation here. But do you distinguish these kind of two groups of uh, content, let's say, one to focus on engagement and virality, probably. Uh, so the existing viewers like the content as much as that they share it with their friends. But what about the, this other group, which is more designed to attract strangers, maybe through search results, maybe through something else? So any, any maybe examples or tips on, on the type of content musicians can produce to attract more people? Of course, there are plenty of ways. I mean, like covers of actual hits or, uh, I mean, to think about viral videos or to be viral somehow. Look at that band called Walk of the Earth. Walk on the Earth. What, what's in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah well, that's Canadian bands. They play the yeah. Gautier, Gautier song on one single guitar. I never heard that band before. I never seen them before. And and they built their own career and global career just on YouTube. And there are many musicians who are just, just being on YouTube, like Skirim. And they are selling sold-out arena shows even in Budapest. And uh, I mean, consistent branding, that's for sure. Metadata, that's for sure. I mean, you have to think about search engine optimization because YouTube is the second biggest search, search engine. So if you probably use, use your metadata consistently and also generate content and find new ways, like somehow find creative ways, viral ways, also to think about search trends, for example. But you know, it's like just to be on YouTube, it's really rare that someone's breaking through. I've seen uh, some examples even locally, but I always said to everyone in musician, in a musician community, that online is, doesn't really work without offline, if you know what I mean. I mean, you have to go out and you have to play live. You have to start to build your uh, community and your fan base with live music and in physical places. And or you can even start it in online places from your bedroom. But some you have to come out from your bedroom time to time and you have to show yourself on live, real time, real place. And uh, there you have to start continue to collect your hopefully loyal fan base. And then you have to transfer them back to your YouTube channel with content, etc. So it has to somehow feed it. these two words, the physical and the online has to feed each other Why? what you also telling to musicians all the time for many years back, that please build up a database and build up as much that direct content with your fan base as you can. And uh, that's the way how you build up probably with time. I hope, I mean, I, I wish that for everyone that it could be a short period of time, but it's not. And uh, that's the way how you can probably start to progress step-by-step step from emerging band to be an established band. But just with YouTube, I wouldn't say that it can work out probably for one or two bands, but they are really, really, that's for sure. They are really, really unique. They are really going to this uh, really creative ideas to be viral, to do a viral video or have this viral effect. I wouldn't say to do a viral video, just to have the viral effect. Also, they probably put some money into it. So they also used paid media within YouTube, not just to be viral by itself. 
It's good to remind about that because not everyone realizes that sometimes there is a bit of an advertisement push. On yeah, of course. It, in many cases of viral videos, there were push and paid media parts in the first part. Collaborations also a way that you can find new audience to collaborate with those who are already have audience and probably the same kind of audience with the same interest, with the same genre of music or same style of music or same attitude. You can also help each other in this way. Collaboration, creativity, creation, these are the things probably. No, great, great. I, I, I mean, there were quite a few insights here in what you just said, and I fully agree that our listeners, uh, after, you know, completely listening to the show, should just focus on YouTube and not build audiences on other platforms or not build their email list probably and so on. So it's it should be part of the mix and uh, there should be offline promotion as well. And so, so that is crucial. I just think that, um, and I believe this is what you mentioned many times before from what I've heard, that musicians don't use this uh, power of YouTube in full, all the possibilities that the platform provides and not utilized by so many artists. And so... You know, I I've, <laughs> I wanted to talk about different types of uh, platforms and uh, content creation and fan acquisition and engagements. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's so exciting to talk about YouTube with oh, you. Please. So I have a few more questions, if you don't mind. So one... No, 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 let's, let's leave and we can just speak about YouTube. I'm fine with that. It just, you approach this and just like our artists have a lot of questions. So I'm asking you questions right now, but this is what I've heard being asked quite a lot lately. And one of these things is what you mentioned, and it's metadata and optimizing for search. I know that it's a huge topic. You probably could talk about four hours about just about that. But for example, I've got just very recently talked to an artist who I know for many years, and he puts out great remixes and covers but they are absolutely not optimized for search. So it's not even clear what exactly was remixed. So maybe you can come up with uh, like just maybe three or five uh, tips on maybe on the length of the description or maybe some little tricks, some tiny things that can increase the chances of, uh, for example, a cover song being discovered on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay. When we are speaking about metadata, Regarding YouTube, you're speaking about the, how you title videos, what you put in the subscri- uh, in the description, and how you tag the videos. And also, in a way, it helps the custom thumbnails also helps to somehow optimize all of these together. But, uh, for example, if you're an emerging band, you have a name. I always tell to bands to use and to choose a name that is search friendly, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I've just met a band I mean, a few months ago. They called themselves Sex. That was the name of the band. <laughs> like it said, uh, okay, or love. It's, it's, you know, it's like really general things. I mean, it's crazy that you have to somehow think about this or you should, or you just have to consider, to put under consideration that, okay, how we choose name and it must be search friendly. You know, it's crazy. But uh, you have to have your own keywords and key phrases that's, that you use all around anywhere on the internet with any formats. I mean, textual, blogs, 
tags, photos, whatever. So you have mm-hmm. to have some kind of cloud of keywords and key phrases and that you have to use this consistently all around online. Uh, I always tell this. So if you arrive to YouTube and if you have to search optimize on YouTube, you have to do the same to use those search phrases and search keywords, what is relevant to you. Of course, if you're an artist, probably the artist name uh, regarding songs, the song titles, regarding categories, yeah, cover songs. And then if you write into a title, the artists who you cover or the songs, song titles that you cover, that also helps. If you want to, okay, finding the balance between to create uh, textual content on YouTube in order to favor the algorithm or in order to favor the viewers, the balance between this. And I've seen many cases that emerging bands or a new content should uh, do favor more to the algorithm than more to the viewer, you know what I mean? And I've seen many, many artists who already reached a certain amount of number of subscribers, hundred thousands, millions. They don't care about really much about search engine optimization. But if you're a starter, if you're an emerging artist or a newcomer, please be consistent with titling your videos, focus and use the same keywords on the first three lines of the descriptions and use it and of course you can be more a little bit more creative to form a sentence with the same keywords and that you use in the title and of course use this within the tags as well and what i see that could work really easily and and that could always work quite fast for any any channel owners that i've seen so far if you also use custom thumbnails and somehow put this and underpin this and support this visually, that would help also to, but that's mainly about, not just about the recommendations, uh, what YouTube recommends you after watching a video, but also to increase watch time and not disappoint viewers with your own content. Yeah. By the way, so you mentioned uh, several times that uh, the watch time is important. Do recommend uh, releasing shorter videos what's what's an ideal duration of of a video depend on your own style on your own attitude depend on your own creativity and let's say okay of course it's like what we can see as a contemporary phenomenon that shorter and shorter and shorter formats of audiovisual contents can work out but on youtube i say this three five minutes those are the most common formats and length of videos to increase watch time and why watch time is more important. Previously, everyone thought and previously even YouTube pushed more the view count, the number of views. And in many cases, in musician case, for example, I don't know how it happens in your market, but locally, in many cases, like radio channels, concert uh, festival uh, organizers watching the view counts, you know, watching on YouTube how, ma- how many views a certain yeah. artist reached, how many likes they have on Facebook in order to decide to invite them or to play them on, on traditional media or invite them to a festival, etc. Et yeah, unfortunately, it, it's common. Yeah, yeah. In, but in YouTube, YouTube, it's really tricky because no one knows. You can just see there a number, but you don't know how many people watched along the whole video and how many, how many People just skip the video after five seconds or 15 seconds, you know what I mean? And it's even logical like uh, regarding monetization that 
if you want to somehow reach higher revenues on YouTube, you have to reach more watch time. That means you have to somehow persuade your viewers to sit and spend as much time as you can to spend with your video on your channel, not just one single video, but to watch other videos from your channel. And uh, that's how it works. And that's how you increase watch time. That have the, C, uh, the uh, search engine optimization also helps because of the recommendations, uh, YouTube recommendations, but also you can, you can use many other techniques and many, you can use many other tools to increase watch time on YouTube, like cards, playlists, serial content. I mean, like we do series with content and navigate the viewers from a video to another. Annotations still you can use, etc., etc. Is it true that uh, the amount of video embeds on uh, third-party websites increase the rankings of the video? So if your video is embedded on web pages and different resources, it can increase your know, like positions in search results. The YouTube algorithm has also this, I mean, I, I don't know how many factors based on that lot as well, like on, like on Facebook, probably a little bit less because it's just one single format and a little bit simpler. But uh, yeah, that's generate more watch time, even if, it's, even if it happens in embedded players, that's a watch time. Okay, uh, cool. That's so <laughs> already plenty of, of practical tips here. And so about the, the monetization part, I think I, I even have a couple of questions. So something that I just thought about asking you when you mentioned how basically a, a revenue can be increased uh, through increased watch time and so on. So there are several types of ads and not just any YouTube channel owner can put on a video. And uh, I've seen some artists kind of misusing it. For example, uh, adding... Uh, pre-rolls that you have to watch before watching a video that only has 50 views currently and I mean it's in their interest for me to watch the video and not push me to watch the pre-roll in full. So do you have any any tips here how to balance it so to earn the money but also to not scare people away? If uh, it makes you sense. mean the viewers? Yeah, so what kind of... Uh, yeah, I know it was a bit bigger. So the okay. what kind of ads you, you recommend... Uh, utilizing and how to approach the monetization on YouTube in the more global way of asking this. It's interesting because it's like all comes from the experience, the viewer experience to watch these ads and how ads could disturb the viewer experience. You're coming from this perspective and lots of musicians coming from this perspective. Like, I mean, in the traditional media, you don't even have a chance to skip this. Most of the time, the majority of the pre-rolls that you mentioned these videos before the ad format, pre-roll format, which is played before the videos, the skippable versions, majority of them are skippable. First of all, it's, and it's more targeted. And probably if, they, if the advertiser target or the who builds up the campaigns targets on the right way, probably such kind of ads will reach you that you would be interested in. Also some other points on the viewer experience regarding ads. I have to turn from a totally different angle regarding monetizations and how to increase revenues and how to think about monetizations and revenues on YouTube. And that's a huge misconception and misunderstandings 
about, okay, at one point, I understand your question. What kind of ads? I would say, please, as much formats of ads, what YouTube can offer. You know what I mean? That's, that's how you are increased from ad revenues. But you can also can think about product placement as well that YouTube allows you to put product placement into your videos or branded content. You, you know what I mean? Like you can sell yourself musician as a brand. Or not. I, I hate that. Not sell yourself. I mean, like you can, yeah, you, I, can I, get, uh, I get you. You can generate values from your own brand, collaborating with other brands outside of music, and you can offer them your video videos and video contents as uh, product placement and then building brand awareness, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's also a huge advantage. But I wanted to go into the direction that how you get into the whole monetization part of video content on YouTube, and that's about a partner program and what kind of partner you you should choose because there are major difference between uh, YouTube partners. Not all YouTube partners enable to manage music content within YouTube. So you have to be sure when you are getting to the monetization. And normally, I wouldn't really advise bands to start the monetization by themselves on a channel if they are not a huge band, if they are not an established band. But for newcomers, starters, I would recommend you find a music partner, a YouTube music partner, if it is possible as close as you can to your own market, language-wise, communication-wise, help desk-wise. <laughs> so, sorry for interrupting you, but just so our listener understands that, so normally that partner will be a distributor who provides these services because it's very common. Do I get you right here? Or music, music aggregator or a distributor usually will be that partner for yes, most musicians. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not all multi-channel network partners enable to manage music content on YouTube. And this is uh, what can happen if you're choosing a, a, the wrong way, not the optimal way, that you are losing the possibility to monetize user-generated content. That means all that content that uploaded by another users, another channel owners, using your music in their videos, just music. So, I mean, if you're choosing the wrong partner, you can skip this part. Also, you can lose your copyrights, your song, songwriting royalties, etc., etc. So what I've seen, and even it happened locally, that there are few labels or few aggregators receive this partnership that enables them to manage music rights in the whole YouTube system and enable to use the content ID system. You know what is content ID or I don't know your listeners. I think know. we no, I, I think we covered it several times on this uh, okay. podcast. So yeah, I will link to content, it uh, in the to, show notes to, as well. To use the content ID system in order to collect the user generated content and to collect the user generated content. Also, there is two ways what I've seen like with establishment, they, they think they, they go into the direction that they block user-generated contents to use their music, and they decided just to represent their own music, sound recordings, videos on their own official channel as a partner for partner content. Also, it's really 
content, user-generated content, and partnered content. And to have partnered content, your channel must be connected to a content management system of this YouTube music YouTube partner, if you know what I mean. No, it, it does make a lot of sense. I'm pretty sure the majority of our listeners got it. If anything, as usual, you can ask uh, questions in the comments uh, via email. So it's all it's really good stuff. And actually, it was uh, uh, the the second question related to monetization. You basically answered it all. So if I want to increase my revenue through these user generated content, have you seen some interesting case studies recently of how musicians? initiated somehow their fans to to upload maybe dance covers i don't know some kind of content with their music in so as a place there so can you give any recommendations in terms of how to increase the amounts of these user-generated videos with your Uh music i haven't seen a lot of cases i mean like this kind of consciousness about the power of user-generated content i've seen this from the from the perspective of brands, local brands, I have to build up with a complete team and Google team and production team to build up a local video contest and was practically uh, supported and built up by a a local telco brand and that generated them 1,500 videos in five weeks by users and they just had to brand it the content etc etc and uh, that shows that the user generated content to involve your fans your fan base or your consumers to generate content to you regarding your service regarding your product regarding your music it's a great way it's also a certain kind of collaboration but not collaborating with other creative artists but collaborating with the creative part of your own fan base with your own uh, viewers and listeners and haven't seen this consciously generated i've seen this meme internet memes you know like they they do a song like gangnam style or or whatever and then everyone did it or now nah, what happened with adele hello songs you know i mean there's zillions of versions of adele's song in every genre every style they weren't asked to do it they did it by themselves yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah, uh, and, yeah. Please keep going. Uh, no, I, I, I. You just asked me to have any case studies. Yeah, I. I hope that you would have some. <laughs> I don't have any in, in my mind now, but what my message was here that the user-generated content to anyhow to motivate or generate interest in your own fan base or viewers or followers to generate content to you and even using your your sound recordings that could help you to generate more revenues in a way, yes. I'm glad that you mentioned that. And even without some uh, conscious case studies, because I don't have too many myself, to be honest, it's good to not just remind musicians about that. I'm pretty sure lots of our listeners didn't even think about encouraging fans to do something, basically do some kind of videos with their music somehow. So I think it's uh, it's underdeveloped area. So we hopefully we'll see more musicians doing more interesting stuff on YouTube, just as brands do, and just as these uh, content creators and like like bloggers do, and so on. So yeah, I, I actually uh, have uh, so many more questions to you, Please. but I think we. I mean, we probably will need to do another session sometime because. Uh, 
looking into the time of the recording, we probably should wrap it up so we don't lose too many listeners right now. The duration of a podcast is as important as the duration of a YouTube video. I never did po- podcast. This is my first podcast. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm working online, but I'm so lazy content creators, or I don't know my... I'm, <laughs> I totally adore you, what you do for many years, and I wish I could have the strength and the sustainable idea and, and energy to do this, what you do. I'm, I don't know, I'm not the type of person, in a way. I you only this. think so. You should start a YouTube channel, it will just make so much sense if you <laughs> yeah, apply yeah, all your knowledge. Many there. <laughs> people said to me that, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I can't. Probably some kind of laziness. I don't know. Or just uh, you just think so it, it is yeah it's a bit uh, yeah I mean at first it, this podcast was a bit much more difficult to put together than now it's it will be 61st episode I believe anyway so yeah usually if you're curious or uh, we see that half an hour generates more listens than our long podcast but uh, I mean this one is filled with stuff and I really appreciate everything that you've mentioned I just um, want our listeners to stay curious to start learning more about this topic online and uh, maybe like from you and from all the different resources available online on the topic so still and on the related notes uh, do you have uh, any particular advice to artists who want to learn more about this so maybe there is a course or resource or something free maybe from even from youtube would you recommend something on youtube itself on learning how to get the most out of the platform yeah, I mean, if they are searching, made a Google search, it's total absurd that Google practically shares most of this knowledge and information for free online. So you can reach it probably. What to search can help here. Go and do a Google search on Playbook for Music. I link to it in the show notes as well. Or YouTube playbook for brands, but I can send you the links as well. Yeah, yeah, that, the links are, that, yeah, we'll that, include that them. That a lot. Also, the, uh, the YouTube Creator Academy, mm-hmm. creatoracademy.withgoogle.com. And there you can have small courses, ideas, and case studies, even related to music-related content. That's also a great resource base. If you are into the content ID, there is a content ID handbook, even public on the internet. I've, I've, I've probably I've seen this on SlideShare. Uh, someone put it public. That tells a lot about content ID. The small tips and tricks, I mean, you should listen Andrew's up and off uh, podcast. I feel that is good. <laughs> or I don't know what I read regarding the official YouTube blog, Time to Time Tells. Music Ally, I like that does time to time uh, small tips and tricks, but really get into the deep stuff. These are small misunderstandings about user generated content or music related assets and et cetera, et cetera. It's not common that it comes to a surface in anywhere. I yeah, know. it's so interesting that Google and YouTube, the I mean, obviously the same company, releases so much educational content for free but so many people just uh, consider that it's regular like user guide how to upload a video and not how to optimize it it all for more views and so on but actually youtube is interested in 
creators succeeding on the platform because it brings revenue to the platform and I mean the, the whole ecosystem frees from that. So <laughs> basically, yeah, you can we all should use these resources and everything that you mentioned does make a lot of sense once again I link to everything that you've mentioned in the show notes so you the listener right now can just go to the page with the show notes uh, and find all these links yeah so it's great stuff I'm linking to all to your social media profiles and so on as well and I just greatly appreciate all the insights that you've shared with us today so thank you a lot Andrew thank you thanks for the invitation it was great thank you very much Thanks, Andrush. Thank you, the listener, for being with us. And just to show my appreciation that you've made it so far, here is something to share with you. I'm uh, a beta user of Superphone and really love it so far. Uh, I want to offer you something related to to this uh, fancy number that I've got. So I want to offer you a free half an hour consultation if you send me a text message at 347-848-1373 indicating that you've heard this on the podcast. The thing is that it's not in the show notes, not in the description, I don't mention it anywhere, just here, like if you are actually hearing me saying this, hearing my sick voice pronouncing these words, uh, so you can use this chance. Uh, here's a little experiment and a gift from me. So you'll be sent a link to a form for adding yourself to my address book. This is very important that you do that. It will take just under a minute. Please do that uh, so I know who you are and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Once again, it's a US number, so if you're outside of the US, you may uh, pay uh, something for an international SMS, but it shouldn't be too much. Uh, the number is, uh, if you're outside of the States, plus one, three, four, seven, eight, four, eight, one, three, seven, three. You can send a text message from your phone, like right away, for example. Thank you once again, and till next week. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 12.